Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Come on, are you happy today? Come on, I said, are you happy today? So today we're going to be talking about behind the music. Behind the music. And today we're going to be dealing with from the heart. I love to teach on the subject of praise and worship because I'm a worshiper. I love to worship and I love to praise God. Miss Nancy can tell you every day one of the first things I do is I turn on praise and worship music on my computer and all day long I just fill my office with praise and worship. My car this morning, man, I was rocking on the way to church this morning. I had hill songs in and I was cranked up. People probably looked and thought that guy's crazy and they were right. They were right. I'm crazy about Jesus. And I love to worship and I love to praise God because I've realized this. When I begin to praise and I begin to worship God, it takes the focus and the attention off my problems and where I am at. And it puts all the focus and the attention on God, the one who is my deliverer, my strong tower, my hope and my refuge. So I love to praise and I love to worship God. I love to give God that which he deserves. And I believe God deserves not a half-hearted worship or an offering. And many times I think that's what we bring. But so often what we bring is not what he deserves. I want that to register today. So often what we bring to God is not what he deserves. So today I want to talk about from the heart, from the heart, how we can worship God from the heart. I hate the fact that so many of us are what I want to call circumstance-driven. Driven by our circumstances. We all know it too well. If everything in our life is going well and, and everything's happy and everything's complete and all these things are taking place, guess what? We're happy. We wake up and we're smiling. We go to work and we don't give the boss a hard time. Everything in our life is happy. Why? Because things are going good. The circumstances are favorable. So guess what? We're happy. But in a moment, circumstances can change. And if we are driven by our circumstances or literally our emotions, when we're not having such great things taking place in our lives, things don't go so well. We don't wake up with a smile on our face. We go to work, we're depressed, we're miserable. We, we, we shout at our kids, we're just not happy. Why? Because the circumstances have changed and therefore as a result of the circumstance, it's determined the response of my life. Anyone know what I'm talking about today? Come on, I said, anyone know what I'm talking about? Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, he's talking about you today. Come on, unfortunately, we've all been there. We're circumstance driven. But I want to show you today 
that we need to be driven from our hearts. Our heart needs to be that which determines the course of our life. Look at this scripture from Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says this, keep your heart. We get good at keeping everyone else's heart. But God says, just take care of your own business and let me handle everyone else. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of your heart, springs the issues of life. I like what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. It will affect everything. The state of your heart will affect everything that you do. Literally in the Hebrew language, the thought is this. From the heart flows the springs of life. From our heart, our life is determined. So today the question is, how's your heart? How are you doing today? How's your heart? Is it burdened down with sin and the cares of this life? Or is it a heart that's alive to God? Why? Because Proverbs 27 verse 19 says this, As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Your heart reveals what you are. You know, we've looked at people and said, oh, they've got a good heart and they're the most miserable people on the face of this earth. Come on, that's not a good heart. A good heart will be reflected. It will reveal exactly what is going on inside. When we have a heart that's for God, alive to God, guess what? It's going to be revealed in the way we talk, the way we walk, and the way we live. The way we treat our husbands and the way we treat our wives. The way we treat our kids. The way we treat people around us. The way we respond when people cut us off on the street. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Help us, Jesus. I don't deal with road rage, but Megan does. She told us about it on Wednesday. I'm not gossiping. She told us. And I know there's other people in here. You deal with stuff. You know what you've got to start doing when someone cuts you off? I want to say throw your hands in the air, but someone may get offended by that. Just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. I remember driving down the street one day. I'd lost my job. That was just after uh, there were a big change had taken place in our lives. And I've got two cars. I've got a house. I've got kids in private school. I've got a house now. I've got everything. And I go from having a nice income to nothing. And I'm driving down the street and all of a sudden I hear a... And all of a sudden there's a massive, massive chip in my windshield. And I'm thinking to myself, what next can happen? And all of a sudden I caught myself and I began to say, praise God. And every time I walked or got into my car and I saw that massive chip, I would say, thank you, Jesus. It may be another chip in my windshield, but guess what? I'm going on in God. Come on. The heart of man reveals we can get so down and depressed and miserable. But as water reflects face, what's in my heart is going to be revealed in the person I am. In the scene of an accident when the paramedics arrive and they see someone laying there on the ground, they don't converse with each other and say, man, I like his shoes. I wonder where he got those from. Man, that's, wow, that's a nice pair of jeans. I bet that cost him a couple of hundred bucks. They don't care about how that person looks. They don't care anything about that person. All they care about is this. How is his heart? 
The first thing that they will do to see is, is there a pulse? Is this person alive? The first response, bearing everything else, is how is his heart? I think so often in church we get so caught up in everything else that we fail to realize it has to be the heart. We have to have a heart that is right to God. So how's your heart today? God works in the same way as that paramedic would. To check the pulse, to see what's going on. God's looking for a person whose heart is loyal to him. Look what it says in Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. A loyal heart. Aren't you glad it didn't say God's looking for someone who's perfect? Because that would eliminate every one of us. But God says, I'm looking for someone whose heart, despite the circumstances and the situations and where he or she may find themselves, their heart still says, God, I trust you. Their heart still says, God, I believe in you. A heart after God. God's not looking for perfection today. He's just looking for a heart. He's looking for one that no matter what will keep on going. Come on, that one that maybe doesn't know where their strength is going to come from to take the next step. But guess what? They refuse to quit. One who doesn't know how they're going to pay for the bills and how God's going to come through. What's going to happen? I could lose my house and everything. But the heart refuses and says, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. One that says, even when the doctor's report says, it's not looking good and it's not what you maybe want to hear. But one that will keep believing and have a heart and says, God, I believe in you. One that despite it all can throw their hands in the air and say, God, I don't understand it. And God, why is it happening to me? But God, I trust you. I thank you. I'm going to praise you through the storm. I'm going to trust in you. God, you're so good to me. Remember when David was going through troubles in Ziglag and the enemy had come and taken everything he had? David separated himself and he began to cry out to God. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Come on, there's an encouragement that we can find in God. Come on, how many of you have ever had God come through for you? I said, how many miraculously have had God come through when there was no way? Come on. You see, when the circumstances and the situations get on top of us, we need to start remembering the fact that if he came through for us then, come on, he can still come through for us now. Come on, we begin to thank the God who was and is and forever will be. Let me rephrase that and correct that. The one who is and the one who was and the one who forever shall be. That's called having a heart that determines the course of your life. It's time we have a heart that determines the course, the pathway of our lives. Having a heart of a champion, a champion to champion his cause on this earth. Because when God looks for someone to use, he doesn't see as man sees. He doesn't get distracted or swayed by performance and position, all the stuff. He goes to the source, the center. He looks at the heart. 
When we're talking about having a heart today, can I explain to you in perhaps a sentence what I mean? And that is this. When everything else is taken away and everything else has been stripped from you, what's left is the heart. What's left is the heart. What is left when everything is taken and stripped away? That's the kind of heart that we're talking about. We cannot really talk about having a heart for God today without talking about a young man, a a shepherd boy, who was anointed king, who was called David. David has got to be one of my favorite Bible characters. I see so many similarities in his life to mine because he certainly wasn't perfect. He certainly made a lot of mistakes. Screwed up pretty bad. But thank God, he was God's choice. David wasn't even close to being man's choice. In fact, he wasn't even invited to the party. But listen to this. He may have been unnoticed by man. But yet he was chosen by God. Unnoticed and forgotten even by his family, but yet he was chosen by God. I'm not going to go to that part of the story, but finally he stands before the prophet. And the prophet holds up the horn of oil. And the oil began to flow. That was how they knew who the anointed of God was, because the prophet would stand there and hold up the horn. And if the oil did not flow, it was not God's chosen. Samuel stood before Eliab. He maybe had to get a stool and stand up because Eliab was big and bad. He was a great stature of a guy, an incredible handsome guy. And Samuel looked straight away and said, that's got to be the one. But when the prophet held the horn, God says, not my one. Going through all the list, finally David is there. And the oil flows. And David is anointed as king. Why is David anointed as king? Because it tells us in 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God today is looking at the heart. God's not looking at the how high you lifted your hands today. God's not looking at all the fluff and the stuff. God's looking when everything else is stripped away. He's looking at our heart today. He's looking at our source. And that's why we must have a heart after God. A heart that loves to praise, to worship, to glorify God. Listen to what is later recorded or written of David in the book of Acts. I looked at the times of the years of when David was alive and when Acts was written. And there's about almost a thousand years difference. A a thousand years time span has come and gone from the time David was alive until this time when it was recorded in Acts. And listen what it still says in Acts 13 verse 22. And when he, God, had removed him, Saul, which was man's choice, he raised up for them David as a king to whom he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. 
What a testimony. Some thousand years after his life, someone stood up and said, he was the one who had the heart of God. He was the one that did the will of God. And I think what that, that must have been the greatest and is the greatest honor ever is to be called a man who has a heart of God and one who will do the will of God. But listen to me. That heart was not developed on a throne in a palace. That heart didn't begin when he sat on a throne in the middle of a palace. But it started way, way before that in a wilderness. It's amazing how many times we make a deal with God. It's amazing how we promise God stuff. God, if you'll hear my child, then I'll give you my life for the rest of my life. God, if you give me that person as my husband or wife, God, I promise that not only will my marriage be used to glorify you, but I promise every week, week after week, I'll be in your house, I'll tithe, I'll give. Come on, it's amazing how many promises we cry out. God, if you'll just touch me, I'll do this. The ifs and the thens. If you, then I. We've all been there. I said we've all been there. It's amazing how we promise all this stuff. If God will come through for us. You see, that's one in the palace experience without having to come through the wilderness. That's just wanting God when everything is good. But it's failing to see that you can truly find God through perhaps even the toughest and the hardest times of our lives. Making a deal with God. Let's make a deal, God. It's no wonder many times we don't get to see those things. Or we perhaps have them just for a short time. Or it's amazing how many times we get those and we forget our part of the bargain. And we don't give God what we said we were going to give. Why is that? It's a heart issue. Because it's not someday. It's not someday. Tired of people living in, well, someday my life will turn around and someday everything will fall into place and someday, and someday my prince will come. That's a fairy tale. I said, that's a fairy tale. Do you realize God's word does not say someday, but God's word says today is the day of salvation. Today is your day of breakthrough. Today is the day that God can grab a hold of your heart. Your circumstances may stay the same, but a heart change, a heart transplant within you. Give Him your heart right now. Why? Because your heart determines the pathway of your life. Throughout life, there's going to be uncertain times. David discovered that perhaps in a greater way than any of us ever have and ever will. But I like what David wrote of those times. Psalm 16, verse 7 and 8, David writes, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. God has guided me, is what David is saying. But notice what he goes on to say, My heart also instructs me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be 
moved. David's going through a tough time here. But what does he say? Even through the toughest circumstances, my heart brings me through those night seasons. When I don't know what to do, I can praise my way through the storm. When I don't know what to do, I can trust God. What does David say? I'm not going to be moved by those circumstances because circumstances and situations want to move us. But God wants to establish us, to give us the strength to stand, that we will not be moved, that we will not bow and break. David could only write words like that because he had a heart for God. You can't write that God's or my heart will instruct me and lead me through the night seasons when we're not living like that. But David knew what it was. Listen to what it says in Psalms 57 and verse 7. I mean, David's hiding in a cave. He's fleeing for his life. Saul is about to kill him. And look what David says in a cave. Psalms 57 verse 7. My heart is steadfast. Oh, my heart is steadfast. Meaning immovable. Notice David says that twice. You know why I think David said that twice? Not because he had a stutter. Hello? You're with me today? It was because sometimes, just like us, David needed to remind himself. Hold on a second. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to stand my ground. And because of a steadfast heart, look what he says next. I will sing and give praise. He's not in a favorable position, as I said. He's running for his life. He's hiding in a cave. But yet, a heart that's not right could be crying out for revenge and seeking justice and saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? But notice what David's heart is saying. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to sing and I'm going to give praise to God. What an incredible heart. What an incredible man. A man who has a heart after God. That's the heart of a champion. That's the heart of an overcomer. But do you know that can also be our heart today? That can be a heart that we can have too. There's no reason or no excuse why not. It's just determined on our choice. It's determined on our choice. So here's a little red-headed boy. He's anointed now as king, but he doesn't pack his bags for the palace. The Bible says he goes back to the sheep. And the story goes on because of Saul's disobedience. He's rejected as king. The Bible now defines or describes a distressing spirit that would come upon him. A spirit that would torment him. So what did they need? The Bible says they looked for a worshipper. They needed a worshipper. They needed a worshipper. One day, one of Saul's servants suggests that they find a man or someone who can play the harp. One who you can call on, king, to call to minister to you when that distressing spirit comes upon you. And Saul says, go and get him and get him quick. Go and find someone. But who would they get? I'm sure in his realm... I'm sure in his palace, I'm sure all around Saul, there were so many talented musicians. I mean, he was the king. He would get the best. 
The king's harpist was probably the finest in the land, had every decree, had played every major event, had toured the country. People had posters in their bedroom of this incredible harpist, the stud of the day. I mean, after all, it's the king's harpist. I mean, surely that would be the one, the most educated, the one who had all the giftings and the talents. But there was the shepherd boy. There was something about this little boy. There was something different about him. And they didn't really know even what it was, but there was something different. He didn't have... All the credentials. He didn't have all the degrees. He hadn't been years in this school and that school. He'd just been in a wilderness with a bunch of sheep. His harp was probably homemade. Probably little pieces of wood just tacked together. Probably went out of tune quite a lot. Wasn't nice to look at. But there was something about this young man. And I don't even think at that time they even knew what it was. But I'll tell you what it was it was his heart. It was his heart. Notice this statement. If you don't hear anything else I say today, this is a good thing to take. Having the right heart will promote you above all others. Having the right heart will cause you to be seen amongst the crowd. You'll stand out amongst the crowd if you've got the right heart for God. I'm not trying to labor the point, but put David up against everyone else of that day. He would have been the last pick that you and I would have probably taken. But you know what? Because of his heart, he was promoted above everyone else. And one of Saul's servants says, you know what? I've seen this kid. Can I tell you about this kid, this little shepherd boy? Listen to what is written about David in 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Then one of the servants answered and said to Saul, Look, I have seen this son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who was skillful in playing. That was the only criteria that was needed, that he would be a skilled player that could come and minister. But read on what this guy continues to say of someone who has the heart of a champion. Someone that has a heart that through the night seasons would hold him still, that he would not waver, that his heart would not be... It would be immovable, he would not be moved. Listen to what else is recorded of someone who has such a heart. He is a mighty man of valor. He is a man of war. He's prudent in speech. He's a handsome person and the Lord is with him. Can I tell you right now, having the right heart will even make you better looking. Turn to your neighbor and say, please get a better heart. (laughs) Even make you better looking. Make you a good catch because you've got a good heart. But look what it says. He's a mighty man of valor. He's a man of war. He can speak. I mean, who did he have to speak to, sheep? 
I mean, what did he have to prepare himself with? I mean, he didn't have restrooms and, uh, uh, and he didn't have showers and, and he didn't have mirrors and all these things. He had maybe a pool of water that he could see his image in, but he's in a wilderness. And he's a mighty man of valor. He's a man of war. He's a great speaker. He looks incredible. And the Lord is with him. Listen to me. That servant saw a champion before David even faced a Goliath. That servant that day saw a champion before David even faced a Goliath. There is no recognition from the scripture that David even had picked up a sword. All we know is this, he wasn't even invited to the army. But yet one of Saul's servants says he's a mighty man of valor. He's a man of war. He's got all the goods that he needs. But David is still in a wilderness with a bunch of sheep. He had the heart of a champion. But listen to me, it wasn't about his accomplishments. Because he had none. Hello? It wasn't about his accomplishments. It wasn't about his degrees on the wall. It wasn't about that he'd done this or that, because really the only thing he had really done was he'd been faithful to what God had called him, and what a great task that was. But there was no major accomplishments for people to praise. But what was seen that day was what he possessed inside of him. A heart after God. What made David to be regarded and seen as a champion was this. Psalm 63 verse 1 and 5 through 5. This is what made David a champion. David would write, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. In other words, David's saying, you're the first one I turn to. I don't turn to Facebook. I don't turn to everyone else. You're the first one. When I get a bad report, I don't call everyone else. David's saying, early will I seek you. My priority is you first. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Notice David saying, God, you're my source. Verse 2, for I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. This, uh, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift my hands in your name. My sh- soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. The reason David was a champion was because he knew what it was to have a heart that worshipped and praised God. His champion heart was a heart that gave complete glory and honor to God. We said this last week. The Bible says God will not share his glory with no man. A worshiping heart is one that says, when people say, how did it happen? I mean, I know your story. How did it take place? A heart of a champion is one that says, it wasn't nothing about me. But can I tell you who changed my life? The heart of a champion is a one who gives God the glory and the honor and the praise for the change in that which has taken place. A heart of a champion says, no matter what, he deserves my praise. 
I started with a thought today. Is what we bring him what he deserves? What we just read really in Psalm 63 could be called the pathway of praise. A pathway of praise that releases the blessings of praise. Trey and Megan, when they talked on Wednesday night, um, Trey said something that, about praise. He says, praise prepares the way before we even get there. He said something like that. He said it a lot better than that. But what he said is, as I begin to praise today, I don't know what's facing me tomorrow. But as I praise today, guess what? God begins to take care of that things tomorrow. And I wrote down this line and I wrote down this thought and it said this, our praise paves the way for God. Our praise paves the way for God. A praise that is all about who he is, not what he's done. The pathway that we just read of in Psalm 63, the first thing that David says is, Oh God, you are my God. That speaks about affirmed relationship. We've talked about this and I wished I could spend more time, but it all begins and ends with relationship. Oh God, you are my God. Second thing he says is, early I will seek you. That's clear priorities, having the right priority. Going not to everything else, but going directly to God. The third thing that we see from this passage is David cries out, my soul thirsts and my flesh longs for you. That's a deep intensity. How many times do we have such a lackadaisical approach to God? But that's deep intensity that there's a cry and there's a longing, there's a thirsting, there's such a hunger for you. He goes on to say, fourth point, I have looked for you in the sanctuary. Don't tell me that coming together in corporate praise and worship is not important. Because he's speaking there about his desire for corporate involvement. Coming to a place where we can praise God. Fifthly, he says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. That's appropriate gratitude. Come on, giving God the glory and the honor and praise. Not thanking him for the circumstances, but thanking him through the circumstances. The sixth part of the pathway of praise that we just read of in Psalm 63, David says, My soul, which is really the real me, shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. Guess what? Every personal need is met and provided. Why? Because it begins with affirmed what? Relationship. God, you are my God. And it goes through clearing our priorities and intensity. That's the pathway of praise. As we begin to praise God, our needs are met. But you and I cannot work our way along that pathway if we don't first have a heart for God. Let me try to bring this to a close this morning. David is a champion in God's eyes a long time before he's won in man's eyes. And today I hope every one of us knows who's the one who truly promotes and the one who truly lifts up. Because the only one who truly promotes and lifts up is God. You can get a promotion at work and guess what? Be fired tomorrow. You can get given a company car and enjoy it and a week later they're taking it from you. The promotions of this world come and go. But when God promotes, when God lifts up, but God promotes Through the heart. God's looking today in your heart to see if he can promote you. If he can take you to those places where you want to be. 
Why? Because we've talked about it behind the music. Praise and worship is not just music and words. That's just a form of expression. But true praise and worship is about the heart of one who chooses to praise and worship God. Psalms 118 verse 24 says, This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Notice this is the day that the Lord hath made. How many knows that some days are not as good as others? So when the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made, it's saying there's going to be good days and there's going to be sometimes some bad days. But what is the conclusion, no matter the day, I will, come on, let's make it personal today. I will rejoice and I will be sad in it. I'll be glad in it. I'll rejoice in God. I will rejoice that no matter what, my heart is going to praise God. Because when we do that, heaven is released into our world. And we're going to talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. But as we begin to praise, something happens. Something happens. David says in Psalms 111 verse 1, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Why? Because I'm not going to be circumstance driven. But I'm going to have a heart for God. And I'm going to allow that to drive my life. Even when we have a heart for God and even when we learn how to praise God and and not allow ourselves to be moved, there's still going to be times that we don't understand everything. There's still going to be times when we look and we say, God, are you even in this? Where are you? Have you gone? Have you left us? But you see, a steadfast heart is a heart that says, no matter what, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep praising you. Think about the life of David. David sniffed what it was like to be in a palace. He was promoted and he was there with Saul and he was one of Saul's leaders. But guess what? Saul hated him and kicked him out. And we read the fact that he's hiding in a wilderness. I wonder if David looked and thought, wow, I guess I blew that chance. Many times the enemy would tell us, you blew that chance, there'll never be another. I'm telling you right now, you have a heart for God. The chances are still ahead of you. The best things God still has in store for someone who has a heart after God. Why? Because God promotes from the heart. Last scripture and I'll close and I like this one. I like the other ones too. I like them all to be honest with you. Even the ones that kind of hit a little bit hard. I still like them. Eventually. You're a holy bunch. Psalms 45 verse 1. David says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. I wonder what's the story of your life. I preached a whole message on this once. What's the story of your life? You know, you turn around and you're in the grocery store and you think this is the, the, the quickest line. How frustrating is the grocery store? If you want to lose your joy right there, it's a good place to start in the grocery store. It's like 35 lines or lanes open or, or not open. My God, that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? Like 35 lanes and only two are open. And you're asking yourself, what's the deal? I mean, cash in all those registers and pay for some more people to man some other ones. I mean, come on, give us a break. It's a quick way to lose your joy in those situations. But you know what? Often people turn around and say, oh, that's just the story of my life. Because you think you've got the quickest line and all of a sudden the light goes on. Price check. 
and there's no one around and you're standing there and standing there and watch yourself. What do you turn around and say? It's just the story of my life. When something happens and, and it's not favorable and stuff, people look around and say, that's just the story of my life. You've got to watch because the Bible says my heart is overflowing with a good theme. With a good theme. In other words, your heart will determine the theme or the story of your life. Too many people, too many Christians, too many people sitting right here today listening to this message have the wrong theme and the wrong story of their life. Why? Because their heart. It's not right. I know today I didn't even get to David killing Goliath, but he did. But I want to say this. He defeated Goliath in his heart a long time before he put a stone in a sling. He defeated Goliath in his heart a long time before he put a stone in his sling. As we have a heart after God, as it comes from our heart, as it comes from one who will praise and worship God, that no matter what, and I'm telling you this week, you're going to be so tested on this. You're going to be so angry at me this week, some of you, because you're going to turn around and say, oh, if only he hadn't preached that, because I'm really being tested on this. Come on, I said, you're going to be tested on this this week. Just like you've been tested on stolen praise. Anyone been tested on stolen praise this week? Realizing that Satan's come to steal your praise and you have to stop yourself and say, hold on a second. You're going to be tested on having an immovable heart for God. A heart that's steadfast and secure. That no matter what, can throw their hands in the air and say, God, I praise you. I worship you. You are good I like that song, you are good, you are good, when there's nothing good in me. You are life, you are life. On display for all to see, if that's the words, if not, they are now. You are peace, you are peace. When my world is crashing in, you are hope, you are hope. When I have no hope. You have covered all my sin. That's a heart of worship and praise to God. We've got to have a heart for God. Because when we have the heart of a worshiper, when we realize worship is more than just music and words, it's when everything else is stripped away, what's left. I'm going to say this statement and close. Worship is not what I give. But true worship is what I am. True worship is not what I give. Should we give God his worship and praise? Yes. But we can give God a false worship and a praise. Because the Bible says from the heart comes the issues of life. From the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. Come on, from your heart today, from your heart, let God be glorified. Because when he's glorified and when he's praised, anything can happen. Make it happen from your heart. Make it happen from your heart. Would you bow your heads with me today? 
Thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.